The Last Word with Matt Cooper. The government has a whole load of climate targets to meet by 2030 for us to meet as well. Uh, things that have been put into a couple of climate budgets to change, in some respects, the way that we live our lives, to be more conscious of carbon emissions, what it actually does to the global warming and the impacts that that has in itself. Well, our first guest is Stephen Tracy, Senior Scientist in the Emissions Statistics Section of the Environmental Protection Agency's Office of Evidence and Assessment. So, Stephen Tracy, tell us a little bit about what's in this report that you've released today. Uh, hi, well, to, the report we brought out today is our latest uh, annual projections, greenhouse gas projections report. Uh, what we're seeing in this report is that uh, the projections indicate that Ireland would see a reduction in emissions by 2030 uh, of 29% compared to the 2018 level, and we're comparing that against the national climate objective, which is a 51% reduction. Um, so we're seeing that almost all sectors are on a need on our trajectory to exceed their sectoral emission ceilings which were brought in last year, including the agriculture, electricity industry and uh, transport sectors. Uh, and overall, for the first two carbon budget periods, we're projecting that neither of them would be achieved. Would be, they'd be exceeded by uh, between 24 and 34%, depending on the two scenarios. Uh, Stephen, so really, sorry, Stephen, uh, would that suggest, though, that a fair way of looking at this would be to say that we're doing well, but we're just not doing as well as we're required to do because a 29% reduction in emissions since 2018 is no mean thing. Absolutely, and I think the, the thing to be aware of with the 29%, uh, it's not coming from standing still, and this is something we've highlighted as well. So the, the projections are, are showing strong economic growth and underlying energy demand in them. So that 29% has, or the, those measures have to first uh, counteract the, the growth as well as reduce emissions uh, beyond that. So it's, it's, it's certainly a very significant emissions sorry, reduction. Sorry, just to clarify that again, because the economy has been growing so strongly since 2018, that makes it more difficult, does it, to achieve the carbon emission reductions? Well, there's a need to decouple emission uh, growth from economic growth, and that's not always been the case. I mean, particularly in the period up to 2019, pre-COVID, we saw transport emissions increase every year as as the economy increased. You know, and that was a, a, a you know, the, the two were coupled together, particularly freight transport. So, I mean, to actually get reductions as you're growing the economy and growing population is difficult uh, and requires that kind of decoupling of emissions, which we did see in the past in the in the electricity sector as we moved to renewables, and hopefully we'll see again. Okay, but just to clarify as well, we haven't hit the 29% yet. That's the likely amount by 2030, isn't it? Well, that's the projection for our additional measure scenario, which is what brings in the measures that are in the Climate Action Plan 2023, uh, with some exceptions which we can go into that, that, that we weren't able to model on this occasion. Uh, in terms of the existing measure scenario, which are those measures that are we consider implemented at this point, and um, so they would have funding and, and resources behind them, it's more like 11%. So we're really hitting on that point that the need for urgent implementation of actions, including those uh, that contribute to that 29%, really is, is, is where we're at at the moment. Sorry, just to clarify again. So if we do nothing else we'll only manage 11% it's your expectation that we will do other things that will bring us to 29% yeah, it's, the, it's, it's really three points. We, we need to implement what's there. Uh, we need to firm up on some actions that are in the plan that we haven't been able to model yet and, and, and make sure that we can, we can implement those as well. And then there is still a remaining gap that needs to be met and, and we expect would be, be looked at in future climate action plans because we're in a cycle now of annual climate action plans as being part of this process. But would that suggest that the 51% target for 2030 is just a nonsense, that we should ditch it, give up on it, because it's just not simply achievable? 
No, I think it's feasible. I mean, the sectors across all sectors, there needs to be an uh, urgent action. That's what we're that's what we're seeing here. And obviously, you know, plans will have to be adjusted as time goes on and 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 the gaps appear. But without implementing what we know now, uh, we won't be in a position. Uh, it will quick, the window is quickly closing. I guess is, is what the IPCC have said. So the well, let me just give an example, there. Stephen. I mean, for. There's been talk of a million electric vehicles on the road by 2030, and there's no doubt there has been a strong pickup in the purchase of fully electric and hybrid vehicles. I think in the last month, they were about half of all new car sales. But is it realistic to expect nearly one million electric vehicles to be on our roads by 2030? Well, on the uptake of the electric vehicles, I mean, it's 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 one measure of many here, and I don't don't think there's any question that it's the only one. But it is it is um, actually ahead of trajectory. So the trajectory that was projected to get it to nearly a million EVs by 2030 is it's the the sales are actually beyond that level at the moment. So obviously, the expectation is that the bulk of those sales will happen, and we will look at it almost all the sales vehicles being electric vehicles in the late 2020s but where the projections anticipated we would be now on that particular measure it's, it's actually ahead of target are we ahead of target in other things i think it's fair to say uh, for, the, for the most part we're not and um, particularly in, in areas like electricity generation where you know as a result of, of the of the the energy uh, issues over the last couple of years we have seen a lot of a return to coal and, and heavy fuel oil use which which really does uh, generate quite a lot of emissions for the amount of electricity being produced so no not not in all sectors but there are there are items there are glimmers of hope in places yeah all right thank you very much stephen tracy from the environmental protection agency the green party's climate spokesperson brian ledden is with us now brian thank you very much for joining us is the idea when we hear this that we're only on the way to doing if other measures are introduced a 29 percent reduction in emissions by 2030 does that mean the idea of doing 50 percent or 51 percent by 2030 is pie in the sky that we should ditch it to actually have a realistic target instead i must uh well it's it's definitely 51 percent is very ambitious so uh, we would have acknowledged that uh, at the outset when uh, we uh, set that target a few years ago. Uh, notwithstanding that, 29%, when you look at the EPA projections uh, based on current policies and not all the current policies, the fact that we are on course for 29% actually is uh, is very positive. Uh, it, it shows that we're, we're basically turning the ship around starting to go in the right direction. Uh, there is a gap there. There's there's two gaps. There's the there's the policies that we, we currently have that the EPA haven't modelled for. Uh, and then there's the gap. Uh, and that, by the way, would take us to about 42% cut based on the 2018 level. And then there's the gap between the 42%, assuming we do uh, that those, those extra policies that are in the Climate Action Plan uh, do achieve the 42%. And there's the gap from there to 51% as well. Uh, so we are getting closer. And I would note that uh, the projection this year uh, is better than the projection last year. So every year with this annual this process of annually revising the climate action plan, uh, we are getting better and better and closer and closer to it. So, uh, like for example, a lot of the the measures that weren't measures, so the, the gap, say, between the 29% and the 42%, and I don't want to, uh, you know, bore listeners uh, with numbers, but a lot of the big uh, onshore and offshore wind development, for example, isn't included in the modelling. Yeah, because uh, there's, there's no realistic expectation of getting these major offshore wind farms into production before 2030, is there? 
they're they're really moving, and we we had two big announcements this week. We had Simply Blue doing a big partnership with uh, EDF, the big French uh, state energy company, and just today, uh, very positive news with the ESB doing a partnership with the, one of the biggest wind developers in the world, Orsted. Uh, that was just announced uh, this morning. So these are really big announcements. Yeah, will they uh, get the through actually, the planning process, though? Because we have, as we know yeah. from housing and from various other things, we have a disastrous planning process which manages to hold everything up and that even if we eventually do get to build these much-needed offshore wind farms, it could be after 2030 before it happens. Planning has been a challenge in this country and that's why we're uh, reforming the, the Planning and Development Act and that's actually going through the houses of the Oireachtas as we speak. We had, in, with respect to the, the offshore wind opportunity, we, two weeks ago the, uh, the offshore wind uh, auction results were announced. Uh, those projects are going to go for planning towards uh, the end of this year. So if we don't get there by 2030, we're going to be very, very close with the offshore wind. And that isn't, uh, that, that, uh, that those emission cuts uh, are huge, but they're not contained in these projections, uh, nor are the uh, the land use changes. And this is very uh, topical at the moment, the, the, the re-wetting of peatlands. Uh, those emission savings are very significant. They could be 9, 10 or uh, 11 megatons. But, but again, uh, that's assuming you get emissions. them done, Brian. Isn't there a massive kickback from a large element of the farming community against that idea? They don't want to do that to their land. And the challenge for government is, is to navigate through this uh, and get there, and that, that's what it's doing. And like nobody said this was going to be easy, and in fact, uh, all change is very difficult. But I think the fact that even the, the EPA, which I think uh, are conservatively saying, based on uh, policies that they can model very accurately, are saying 29%. Uh, we're saying that with other policies, we can get much closer to the 51%. Uh, and there's a range of things uh, that will uh, come into play in the next couple of years. There's, there will be new policies to be added, for sure. Uh, we do need system change in transport, for example, uh, but we will also need to refine the policies that are already there uh, and implement them. And Stephen is absolutely correct. We have to move from setting targets, setting policies to implementation. Well, let me come back to something else. You mean when we talked about offshore wind and the need for it, in the absence of it and enough onshore wind, we've ended up keeping the Money Point coal-fired station going beyond its closure date. We're still actually using more oil and coal than we should be. Why did we not just go ahead? Why did we not still go ahead with down in uh, County Kerry with the LNG plant and bring in liquefied natural gas as a better alternative to those heavier fossil fuel burning activities? Because we can ramp up renewable energy production and we're going to ramp up renewable energy production uh, to 80% of our annual demand by 2030. So LNG actually isn't going to, to help us here. I mean, even if we did go down the LNG path, uh, it's going to be five, six years before any project like that will, would be delivered. Tarbert, which is the oil-fired station down in, uh, in, in Tarbert, that's going to be closed this year. Money Point uh, is on longer than we would like. Uh, we are building uh, gas-fired uh, backup generation around the country, which is basically going to be used in situations where we don't have the solar or the wind power uh, and that, that is all being planned and uh, procured at the moment. And we will hit the 80%. I'm quite confident. And that is actually quite staggering. You know, we, hit, we did hit the 40% target for 2020 in electricity generation, and nobody still really believed we could do that. Uh, and 
Yes, we did. And actually, we're the world's leaders in renewable electricity generation. Uh, 80% is a very big ask uh, because it's double the 2020 target. But I have confidence uh, in our engineers, in AirGrid, uh, and all the players in the system that we will hit the 80%. Okay, it'll be doing our bit for the planet, but will it actually help reduce people's bills? Uh, I think it will uh, because you can you can see that the market price of, of the wholesale market price on the days that you have high renewable energy uh, goes down. And when you don't have uh, high levels of renewable energy, it goes up. So the more we build renewables, renewables are the cheapest form of uh, energy now. And that's not just in Ireland, that's, that's across the Europe. So bills will eventually come down, yes. Mm, we'll see. But Brian, what about electric vehicles? Are we really going to get to, what is it, a million electric vehicles by 2030 or this new figure which seems to be 940,000? Is that actually viable that we will get to those levels as replacements for petrol or diesel cars? Well, interestingly, a couple of years ago, I would have said it's neither achievable nor desirable. But as Stephen said uh, just there uh, a few minutes ago, actually, we're ahead of target on uh, electric vehicle rollout. Uh, but really, we need to look at system change in transport. It's not all about electric vehicles. And the OECD uh, issued or published a very important report last October where they said, yes, EVs have a role, but actually we need to reduce the need to be driving around the place. And that is really about investing in cycling networks, walking networks, public transport as well. Uh, and we can do this. We can change how we do transport. And other countries are better than us uh, at that. And we need to learn from the, them and do it here. Okay, but sorry, still though, do you think we'll get to a million electric vehicles or are you saying that particularly I in rural Ireland, that pe- well, are people going to be cycling or getting public transport rather than bothering with any car? Well, the, you know, in the rural public transport uh, is coming on usually. Is it? Like I get incredible feedback uh, based on uh, the, the new rural uh, bus routes that we've put in all around Limerick and Clare, uh, they are really making a difference to people's lives. Uh, the What we need to strive, we have a Connecting Ireland programme, which is really ambitious, uh, but we're pushing towards what would be called in every village, every hour, uh, system of uh, level of service for public transport. And that is really attractive. So that's for that's public transport for people uh, you know, who can afford cars, uh, but to, the, the service would be so good that they would choose to use public transport instead. As Stephen said, we're, we're ahead with the electric vehicle rollout, and in our urban areas, we are doing, making huge progress with the rollout of uh, active travel networks. So that's the walking and cycling networks and indeed uh, local uh, public okay. transport infrastructure as well. I'll put it out to our listeners 0874100102 for your last words. Thank you very much Brian Ledden from the Green Party TD in Limerick. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.